2001, former Goldman Sachs executive Jim O'Neill created the term BRIC countries to identify Brazil, Russia, India, and China as top emerging powers. South Africa would later join the group in 2010, thus giving the acronym BRICS its last letter. Together, the BRICS cover around 40% of the world's population and more than 25% of the world's land. In rough terms, we can divide the group into two. Those who took advantage of globalization to integrate themselves into global supply chains, like India and China, and those who use globalization to sell their abundant natural resources, like Brazil, Russia, and South Africa. This week, the leaders of the five countries meet in the 10th BRICS Summit in Johannesburg, South Africa. The summit happens in a particular time, with Brazil struggling to recover from its worst recession on record, Russia facing accusations of meddling with the American 2016 election, and China waging a trade war with the United States. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, and this is Explaining Brazil. What should we expect from the 2018 BRICS Summit? What will be considered a success? To discuss Brazil and the BRICS, I'm joined today by Oliver Stunkel, a professor at Fundação Getúlio Vargas, Brazil's leading think tank and author of The BRICS and the Future of Global Order. Hello, professor. It's good to have you back. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, professor, while the term BRIC countries was created in 2001, these countries started meeting and acting in a more coordinated fashion much later. For our listeners who are not familiar with what the BRICs are and why this group exists, could you uh, help me with a brief explanation of their history, please? Well, uh, the uh, BRICs grouping, as you, uh, as you said, uh, was coined, the term BRICS was coined in 2001 by Jim O'Neill, investment banker uh, at Goldman Sachs, who uh, pointed to a profound uh, shift in the uh, economic order, global order, saying that in the long term, the Western dominance, the Western economic dominance uh, would be a thing of the past and that uh, those countries would have an increasingly important role. Then the financial crisis uh, came in 2008. And it was during that time that uh, the countries, the big countries, actually decided to provide a political dimension to the grouping that there would be uh, a a benefit in starting to coordinate some activities. And it was really the financial crisis that uh, initiated a more institutionalized uh, framework of cooperation as back then that the big countries started to uh, align the positions and seek potential points of consensus prior to negotiations at the World Bank and the IMF. Uh, so they jointly coordinated the effort to provide more liquidity of capital uh, to uh, those institutions. Uh, I'm sorry, those, those efforts include the new development bank in based in Shanghai? Which well, that is... came later. Actually. It, was, it was mostly initially this moment of cooperation to, to deal with the financial crisis but the BRICS countries realized that there would be potential to work together, uh, that uh, they could benefit from working together. And you had then a process of including South Africa in 2010. And after that, really, uh, every year, other areas of corporations were added. It's now 
Uh, it's still a fairly a new grouping in the sense that it's still in flux. It's still new activities that have been added. Uh, in 2013, you had initial debates about the creation of a development bank, which was then actually uh, created in, uh, uh, in 2015. Uh, and nowadays, you have uh, around 50 to 70 meetings throughout the year in many areas and a big presidential summit that takes place uh, this week in Johannesburg, which is the 10th time they meet. But there's also many uh, areas of cooperation, be it in education, in uh, defense, national security, uh, where these countries for the first time have a institutionalized platform to discuss uh, a potential for cooperation. You wrote uh, in an article for America's Quarterly um, that this BRICS summit is a golden opportunity for Brazil. Why is that? Because of the internal uh, challenges it faces, both politically and economically, it, it is necessary uh, for this government, but particularly for the next one, to, to use the platform of the BRICS summit to articulate to the international community uh, you know, how it seeks to uh, overcome those international challenges. It is a privileged uh, uh, platform that provides Brazil with access to key decision makers uh, from India, from Russia, from China, from South Africa, all countries that will play a very important role, uh, of course, above all, uh, India and China. So I think uh, Brazil, in that sense, despite its current crisis, it maintains uh, membership of this grouping and really has the, uh, the privilege, the opportunity to participate in debates about the role that Asia uh, will play in global affairs in the coming years. Um, so in that sense, I think uh, it is very important not only to be there, but also to articulate clear proposals of what should be discussed at the summit. Brazil will be uh, will hold the temporary presidency of the BRICS grouping starting next year. So uh, its temporary successor will host the 11th BRICS summit in Brasilia uh, next year. And that, again, will be a tremendous opportunity to show what the next government's plans are um, to uh, deal with the ongoing challenges. So I think it's really a, a grouping that uh, generates little cost for Brazil, but which holds a lot of potential benefits. And uh, you, you mentioned it's important not only to be there, but to be active there. But uh, Brazil has not necessarily been the most active BRICS member, uh, has it, in the past? You're absolutely right. Uh, I think nowadays the key countries that give new impulses are India, China, and to some extent Russia. South Africa, Chinese government, you know, a lot of corruption scandals, a lot of instability, and Brazil, also economic crisis, political uncertainty, have been rather quiet. And uh, I think that's certainly a problem because the other countries understand uh, how useful that, uh, that is. Uh, you now have, as you initially pointed out, a crisis uh, in the West, a deep division uh, of unprecedented magnitude between the United States and Europe, a vacuum of power, very uh, significant uncertainty uh, of who is willing and able to take the lead internationally. And in that sense, I think the BRICS has a tremendous opportunity. Uh, they, uh, they represent a significant part of the uh, international community. Uh, they, uh, despite uh, the crisis in South Africa, Russia, and 
uh, and Brazil, uh, the economic, total economic size of the BRICS countries today is larger than what General Neon had initially predicted in 2001. So the BRICS are the main providers of global public growth. That gives them a lot of, uh, a lot of legitimacy to, uh, to make opinion, to articulate new opinions on issues like inequality, development, etc. So I think it, it would be important. Uh, Brazil does have specific interests, but really when it comes in, uh, to its, uh, its relationship uh, to China, uh, I think there's a lot of a need to overcome the difficulties that exist, in, for example, the, uh, the trade system and the world trade organization between uh, China and Brazil. And uh, there's a crisis in Venezuela uh, that is beginning to affect Brazil, uh, and where you have Russia and China as very important partners of the Venezuelan regime, and where I think Brazil must make clear uh, that those two countries um, must take the lead in the process of helping Venezuela overcome the current crisis which it finds itself in. You, you mentioned Asia's role in the global stage and also in the Latin American stage. Brazil for a long time has claimed that position of regional leader but has done little to to live up to that status and in the recent years china has arrived with big investments in brazil but elsewhere as well in peru in other countries and brazil has kind of seen that movement with a lot of complacency uh is that true or uh how, how do you see the way that brazil is uh, approaching China's uh, rising influence in Latin America? Well, I think the key problem is that uh, in Brazil, there's a lack of uh, knowledge uh, about China and what it means to operate in a Chinese-centric world. Uh, we lack sinologists, we, uh, we lack the uh, uh, people on the ground in China that uh, can uh, allow us not only to understand, but to anticipate developments uh, in China, and I think that uh, leaves Brazil largely unprepared for the, I think, most momentous uh, uh, geopolitical change that's taking place in Latin America, which is the uh, arrival of China. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a very complex development, which uh, brings uh, positive aspects, but also uh, potentially negative aspects, which requires that uh, the real regional strategy must adapt. And I think uh, unless we develop a, uh, a greater expertise about China, we will fail to articulate a clear strategy for South America uh, because today the major competitor uh, for uh, Brazil is China in, uh, in many countries uh, in the region. Uh, but at the same time, China is also a very important partner. And, uh, and, and I think that um, seen from outside, Brazil has certainly not been able to project stability in the region. And I think for a lot of uh, Chinese investors in Latin America, uh, Brazil is not really uh, a country that uh, has you know, played a constructive role in uh, you know, providing stability, a lot of uh, concerns about the spread of, uh, you know, of Lava Jato in the region and, and about what that could mean. But also a clear perception that Brazil is currently unable to prevent or address crises in Venezuela, in Nicaragua, uh, in that sense, or Haiti, uh, where you all have instability uh, occurring. So I think that is perhaps today the most uh, dramatic or the most urgent Brazilian foreign policy challenge. And that's why I think it's important for Brazil to prioritize BRICS because it should also be a platform where Brazil can address its grievances and its ideas to China 
when it comes to Latin America. Come the end of this summit, what will be considered a success? What must Brazil achieve during these uh, meetings with foreign leaders? What must President Temer achieve in order for his last participation in the BRICS summit to be considered a success? Well, it's always, uh, in a way, difficult to measure the exact outcomes of these summits. I mean, you, of course, could say that uh, the, the outcome of the uh, recent G7 summit was clearly not a success because you didn't have uh, the United States signing the final declaration. Uh, the BRICS usually uh, prepare the declarations in a way that they will be uh, signed if they're staged. But there's also some space for presidents to meet one-on-one. I think the key task, Uh, for the Brazilian government is to show that despite the uh, current unpredictability, the government's weakness, which of course uh, all the other uh, summit participants are aware of, I know that of all these uh, British presidents, Temer is the weakest one right now, uh, that despite all this, Brazil remains committed to the grouping, that Brazil uh, will Uh, uh, hold the presidency and, and will not be just a placeholder, but will actually seek to influence the group being as uh, a group of thinkers uh, that is actively engaged in discussing possibilities for the grouping. I think specifically, I think it's necessary for uh, the president to uh, to advance the debate between Brazil and China, uh, whether there's issues about accusations uh, of anti-dumping, yeah, dumping actually um, by, by Brazil was concern in China uh, about uh, the uh, competitiveness of some Brazilian products. I think these things need to be addressed. There needs to be a better channel of communication to the Chinese government. Uh, must be made clear that uh, while Brazil is happy about uh, internet, uh, investment, about greater trade with China, that this must be, uh, you know, this must take place Uh, eye to eye in a, in a fair context. Uh, and the second thing is I think that um, the president must make clear to both uh, the president of uh, Russia and China that uh, they have a role to play in Venezuela. Uh, Brazil is currently bearing the brunt of this uh, crisis together with uh, several other countries in the region. And that uh, countries like China or, or Russia could no longer Uh, you know, just play a minor political role and say that they have no responsibility to address the crisis, but they've been actively, I think, uh, work with both the Venezuelan government and the opposition and neighboring countries to uh, find ways to contain both the humanitarian crisis but also articulate uh, a, a way for Venezuela to initiate uh, a process of reconstruction and of political renewal, uh, which will be essential to overcome the crisis. In terms of Brazil-China relations, yesterday on Monday, uh, July 23, uh, China's ambassador to Brazil said that he wanted uh, both countries to reach new levels of trading and cooperation. But that comes after China recently slapped more tariffs on Brazilian poultry and sugar. Brazil plans to take these cases to the World Trade Organization. How strained are these two countries' relationship right now, if they are? Well, there are certainly uh, issues, particularly in the trade area, that must be addressed. Um, and, uh, and I think at some point, um, to my sense, I think perhaps the Brazilian government uh, must uh, show that these are clear priorities, these are issues that need to be 
that need to be addressed directly at the BRICS summit. I wouldn't say the relationship is strained because uh, I think to some extent also those uh, issues are natural uh, to big economies that you know they have those issues going on that uh, Brazil has issues uh, similar issues with uh, several other countries but I think in that sense it's necessary for the Brazilian government also to call out uh, China sometimes which likes to portray itself portray itself as kind of a, a very open economy, economy that, that, uh, that defends globalization. But I think in several cases we see that China is not that open after all, and, and it makes things also a bit difficult for Brazil. So I think you have that as a, as a potential negative factor. At the same time, I think Brazil benefits a lot from, uh, from Chinese investment in Latin America as a whole. And I think if it knows how to negotiate this, uh, I think it would be a tremendous uh, step forward for uh, South America if it's able to use these investments in a way to improve its infrastructure, to uh, reduce inequality, and to, uh, to become more productive and competitive in the international economy. The BRICS are, are made of five countries that are extremely different among themselves different economies, societies, and interests. How much do these countries walk in the same direction? I think in many ways they're, they're different, and I think the BRICS thing will not uh, help them eliminate all these issues. You have uh, border conflict, for example, between uh, China and India. Uh, you have uh, China regimes in uh, China and Russia, where you have uh, democratic rule in Brazil, South Africa, and India. Uh, so these obviously create uh, hurdles which uh, must be uh, recognized and they must be dealt with. That's reality. Uh, but I think in many ways uh, the challenges, the uh, problems and development challenges, for example, that the best countries face uh, are sometimes quite similar despite the fact that the best countries are, are situated in very different parts of the world. So I think there's a lot to learn from each other. I think uh, China, uh, despite its very different political system, has achieved uh, growth rates that hold some important lessons for uh, developing countries like Brazil. I think they have, in several areas, common interests, uh, not in all areas. But in a way, I think that for Brazil, the kind of cooperation that takes place in BRICS is the kind of cooperation that will dominate the 21st century, which is cooperation between very different countries, uh, not a lot of non-Western countries, uh, countries that have a lot of internal challenges that you know, also are, are still unsure about their role in the international order, and that it is necessary to find ways to cooperate between countries that are very different. In that sense, I think the, the, uh, the BRICS is a harbinger, a sign of what is to come. I think the BRICS uh, must uh, work together on issues like trade. They must reduce non-tariff barriers. I think there's a lot of potential for big countries to trade more between themselves. Um, but there's a lot of non-tariff barriers where they also, I think, must advance. It's still tremendously difficult, for example, to, uh, you know, to, to the, the visa regime between the big countries is still fairly complex. Uh, recognition of diplomas is still uh, not working very well. Uh, several other issues that make cooperation complicated. But I think slowly they're advancing. I think um, the multilateral issues also, when they can agree on things, and if they are able to speak with some voice, they are quite influential. Uh, so I see, I think, in the long term, 
several areas uh, of cooperation. Development is one big one. You have the new development bank, uh, which will play a more important, more important role uh, in the next years. Uh, so I think the uh, cooperation will always be sector-specific. It will, uh, it will never be uh, all-encompassing. Uh, but that's, I think, the new reality of the multi-poor world, where Brazil must have, or can have, excellent ties with BRICS, with the European Union, with OECD, with Mexico, with the United States. It is really a, a, a one key element in Brazil's strategy for a more multipolar world. Thank you very much, Professor. Is there anything that maybe we left out of this discussion and you think it's important to mention and it's important to remember about uh, the BRICS summit? we'll have this week? Well, I think it is, it is quite interesting, uh, the last point, that and I have accompanied the uh, public debates about BRICS in India, Russia, South Africa, and China, countries that I, I, I've visited over the past 10 years frequently. And I think it is noteworthy that uh, the Brazilian media, uh, academia, uh, politics, uh, the private sector, the country as a whole, remains, I think, uh, unaware of the profound ways in which the world will change uh, as Asia is rising and as uh, the West will no longer play the dominant role it has once played. And I think in the consequence of that, the BRICS grouping is seen as something uh, a bit kick-sort-like, not really uh, much, much relevant, uh, because uh, we tend to be very focused on the United States uh, on the North Atlantic in general, you know. Uh, but I think the reality is that it is not, it's not a choice, but it's a necessity to adapt to this new reality. It doesn't mean we have to agree with the other BRICS members on a lot of things. But I think the, uh, the silence, the real silence, uh, previous, previous to summits, the lack of a public debate, the lack of academic, of more academic production on that topic, shows that what really is needed is a much broader shift. There must be, I think, a much broader uh, understanding of the world has changed, uh, that it's necessary to invest uh, to overcome the uh, knowledge gap when it comes to discussing Russia, India, South Africa, and China. And uh, so in that sense, I, I, I hope that next year's summit will be an opportunity for the new government to really prioritize this. And also think about how to, uh, to shift the uh, strategic orientation of the country as a whole. And that's something that goes much beyond government and involves all parts of society. Thank you very much, Professor. It was a pleasure to have you back to, to our podcast. Thank you very much for having me. If you like this podcast, please take a look at our website. It's Brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazil's politics, economics, and society. We also have exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed on what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now to our free trial and enjoy all of our content for 14 days. It's really free. You don't have to put any credit card information. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week. Mm -hmm.